0: Lifestyle. SNS online. Well, believe me, I am speaking broad-mindedly. I am glad to know my mother country. I've been travelling the countries years ago, but this is the place I wanted to know, darling London.
1: This is the place for me... Hello and welcome to SNS Online. On June the twenty-second, nineteen forty-eight, the MV Empire Windrush arrived at Tilbury Docks in Essex, bringing workers from Jamaica, Trinidad, Tobago, and other islands as a response to post-war labour shortages in the UK. The influx ended with the nineteen seventy-one Immigration Act, when Commonwealth citizens already living in the UK were given indefinite leave to remain. Remain that is until two thousand and twelve. Where changes to immigration policy alter the legality of many. To mark this rich and so far mostly untapped history, BBC4 have produced a series of eight monologues written by eight prolific writers and starring some of the nation's best talent. One of the writers is Carmen Harris, ex East Ender scriptwriter and more importantly, SNS Online returnee. And she's back to tell us more. So Carmen, welcome back to SNS Online. For last time you were with us, we briefly touched on your early life in Kingston, Jamaica, and then coming over to the UK in 1957 as part of the Windrush generation. Yep. Now, obviously our listeners will know you as firstly a TV script writer and then spiritual healer, but you've made a welcome, and I've got to say triumphant return to television writing in this new project that essentially takes you full circle and back to your childhood. How close does your personal experience echo the drama that you penned?
0: Well, I wrote a character called Eunice, and her era is 1948 in the episode that I've written, so really not my experience, kind of my mother's experience. This character's in her 20s when she leaves Jamaica and comes to the UK, whereas my mother was in her 40s. But, you know, it's, it's, it's the same experience, although there's a 20-year age gap.
1: How did you actually get involved in the project in the first place?
0: <laughs> very, very easy and simple. Um, all roads lead to East, EastEnders. <laughs> um, I have a friend um, who I worked with back in the day called Jyoti Patel, and she's involved in the project. And, um, and she contacted my agent, and my agent contacted me, And he told me about this front room concept and I was hooked right away.
1: Oh, fantastic. I'm told that Soon Gone and Windrush Chronicle will challenge, this is what it's got here, our collective understanding, regardless of race, of what it means to be part of the Afro-Caribbean community in modern-day Britain. So without giving too much away, can you expand on that sort of mission statement, if you like?
0: Well, I'll put it like this. Um, All my life that I've been in this country... um, I've really been defined by what's out there in terms of um, especially the media and the wider population um, defining me in terms of headlines and the headlines are not usually positive. Mm. You know, so in terms of um, a black Caribbean person, I see things like popping up like... um, and the riots and mugging and sus laws and knife crimes and Stephen Lawrence and mm-hmm. deportations and all all that negativity. And it seems to understand who I am. And the wonderful thing about this series for the first time is I get to tell you, the wider population, who I really am mm. and what I'm about and what I'm seeing when I look out.
1: So um, So it's way beyond the headlines. It's getting to a real earthy reality of, of the good times and the bad.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's um, you, you get one side coming at you, but actually um, that is just such a tiny sliver of who I am, what my community is all about, and um, it's just such an amazingly vibrant survival community and, um, and that's borne out over the eight monologues. You just see such, um, such commonality and such um, differences in experiences as well. It's a huge celebration.
1: So talking about the actual show, you've been working with the likes of Selene Henry and Kwame Kuiama, artistic director of the Young Vic Theatre for this for this project. How was it working with such a dynamic powerhouse of a team? Oh
0: my god, they're they're just amazing guys. You know, they're they're very very intelligent, articulate, they have a vision, and at the same time they're just good fun. And it was um, you know, you can imagine amazing working with them, but also the wider team as well. Um, when we had our first meeting, our first team meeting, what was so amazing about it was that we spent the first half of it not actually um, dealing with the work in hand because we were having this explosion of shared experiences and shared stories. And, um, you know, there are lots of different Um, I can't remember how big the team was, maybe 30, 40 people Mm. coming not just from Jamaica, but from the other islands as well. But everybody um, knew the same things, could talk about the same upbringing that they had, the same reactions to basically a, a poverty lifestyle in this country um and it was just amazing you know I just thought, oh my god I've landed here I am um and I can be me amongst other people who understand me so yes it was amazing wonderful being with Kwame and Lenny but also with a wider team
1: as well sure and it must be referenced over all the directors are female just just a little bit of a uh, you know yes, girl power yes.
0: there <laughs> yeah no that was amazing as well I was going I forgot to mention that but yeah three female directors all of them young. Um, How often does that happen? That Mm. was amazing, too.
1: Um, Just to get to the more political angle of the whole thing, I mean, the changes to the immigration law in 2012, which which require people to have documentation to work, rent a property or access benefits, including health care, you know, that's obviously left people fearful about their status. The prime minister did give an apology of sorts. and uh, and acknowledge the Windrush generation uh, essentially helping building the UK as we know it today. Do you think that apology is enough? Has it led to um, change in your opinion? Well,
0: how could it be enough when, you know, just this week we had another plane load going off, um, being deported, people with no links, no relatives to to the Caribbean islands that they're sent to. Um, You'd think that... um, the people that, who are being transported out were murderers and, mm. you know, high-profile criminals. We're yep. talking about petty crimes. People who have children here, who've grown up here. Mm. One of them was um, has lived here for 41 years. Another one has a child here. Um, it's ridiculous. Mm. Absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's one thing saying... I'm sorry, and it's another thing, actually acting out that apology. I'm actually fuming.
1: So you're actually launching this series. That's pretty exciting, Carmen.
0: Oh, it's just... I I wish my mother was here to actually see this, because um, I I say that um, my parents' generation, they were suffering from a a form of post-traumatic stress Mm. because... They came over here with such huge expectations, knowing that they were they were British. Um, actually, knowing more about this country than most people in this country knew, because our syllabus in the Caribbean was completely English based. Um, so you know they came over here, and you know the you know the old story, you know expecting to be greeted with wide open arms, and mm-hmm. you know none of that happened. And um, there was a lot of shock. There was a lot of sadness. There was a lot of grief, homesickness, disappointment, and even shame. Because um, I know my parents, for one, they couldn't write home and tell the people back home exactly what the situation was. Um, So they kept up this pretense. And, um, and, you know, they couldn't actually see their own contribution because that they were laying down the foundations for me, for us, um, because they were too busy head down and struggling. So this is really exciting because for those who are still alive, unlike my own parents, they can look back now and they can say, well, actually, I have got something to be proud of, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just... Yeah, it just it, it makes me very sad thinking about all that time really and um and mm-hmm. the struggles so many people had to go through. Why do you think it's taken so long for these types of stories based on real history to be heard and seen?
0: It always takes a generation or two um to be able to, to have the, the the time, the energy, the privilege, the articulation, um, the the insight to see um, what's gone before them. You know, my parents' generation were laying the foundations. I can walk on those foundations now and I can look back at it. But our parents didn't have that luxury. They didn't have that privilege. So it's never going to happen in the first generation. Mm. But um, it's taken a long, long time. Uh, Yeah, it could have happened way before now.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But that's the way it is. Look at me. Which part of me look black to you? I am a coloured woman. Well, happy birthday to me, Miss Eunice Mervis Daly. I would show you around, but it's just this one liquor room. And me not even unpack yet.
1: Tell us about Danielle Vitalis, who uh, is your star in your drama. Did you get to work closely with her?
0: No, I didn't actually because I couldn't make the recording and um, the whole project was a really condensed affair. Everything was written very quickly and produced very quickly. So it's a real shame. Um, On on the day of the read-through, I didn't get to see her either. Um, because everybody was doing different things at the same time, so we couldn't always all be together. But I did meet her at the the, um, the press the press launch, and I gave her a big hug, and her mm-hmm. actual grandmother, who would have been my mother's generation, was in the audience, oh. and um, they had a thing between them um, in the audience where she was saying to her mother, you know, I never realized that, you know, there were all these stories because having portrayed Eunice, she got to learn a lot of history, a lot of personal history. And um, in terms of her portrayal, oh my God, she is amazing. Absolutely amazing. She's young. She's feisty. Um, she's a brilliant actress and she totally gets it. Mm. There's like three Two three generations ahead of her, and um, and she totally gets what happened during that time.
1: Oh, it, you'll love it! I'm you'll so looking forward it. to it. I mean, it, I, just to explain to to listeners that it's it's very um uh, sort of a Talking Heads ala like Alan Bennett um a monolo- yes. uh, 15 minute monologues, and you you are the very first one to go out. And uh, do we have a date yet?
0: I think it's the 17th of February. And um, the, the premise of the whole thing is based on a West Indian front room um, that evolves over time, spanning 70 years from 1948. And um, and it's just a fabulous idea that, um, because the West Indian front room is like the centerpiece of um, our lives. It's the place where, when we first came to this country, it was our front room, our dining room, our bedroom, sometimes even our bathroom with the tin bath in there. <laughs> um, so it was um, it was everything. So you look at that front room from the 1940s to the 1950s and into the 60s, and you look at it now and it's completely transformed. Mm. And it's the history of that transformation through a family and through a family's dramas so it's a it's a really wonderful neat idea
1: and i love the way it's dealing with all the incidentals as well like of a time presumably fashions and and, and things <coughs> that happened to people during that day it's yeah. it's the bigger picture but also the detail
0: yeah yeah it's it's very historical yeah. it's a it's a historical document that the biggest shame is that you know 15 minutes really wasn't enough I could have, in my episode anyway, I could have gone way beyond... 15 minutes to an entire series based on Eunice mm-hmm. and um, and it's the same for all the other episodes as well.
1: Well I think There's we should so have a spin-off We, we should oh, have a spin-off, Eunice for spin-off. <laughs>
0: most definitely yes.
1: Um, just just to, uh, um, to understand, so this front room you're talking about, are we talking about the same family or are we dipping into different people? Family. same family, same so family different generations.
0: Room, yeah, and the same front room but it evolves.
1: Oh fantastic. OK, so Soon Gone, A Windrush Chronicle begins on the 17th of uh, this month, um, starting with your very own drama, Carmen.
0: Yes, yes. Looking
1: forward to it. So excited for all uh, the um, episodes, but i got to say a, a special one to you because you're you're one of our SNS online favourites from the past. Oh, and, thank uh, you. So listen, thank you so much, Carmen. And um, we're so looking yes. forward to it
0: and i really apologize for my voice i've had this cold for over two weeks oh, now so this isn't my voice and i was hoping it will be sort of you know dark and sultry and um <laughs> but no it sounds a bit like kermit the frog well for your
1: <laughs> for your celebrity goodie bag um this time i'll send you another cake I've, 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 oh, I've, I've, as, as i've done did before uh, for your birthday oh, so. thank you so much <laughs> all right carbon lots of love and okay. we'll chat soon And our thanks again go to Carmen Harris. Soon Gone, A Windrush Chronicle begins on Sunday, the 17th of February for BBC4 with Eunice penned by Carmen, with seven further episodes to enjoy. I'm Mick Randall. Goodbye.
0: Well, believe me, I am speaking broad mindedly. I am glad to know my mother country. I've been travelling the countries years ago. But this is the place I wanted
1: to know darling London This is the place for me for <laughs>